I'm Lionel Meunier, French-born, as you might notice, <laughs> my little accent. Um, but I live in Belgium now, where I created the ensemble Vox Luminis, an ensemble that is now existing for 14 years, soon 15, we'll become 15 during the residency, we will do, in 1819. And um, it's a group that I first started as a little dream, a young man, 22, I think I was 22 years old, thinking, oh, I want to sing once a year with some friends, music I love. And it was the Stabat Mater by Domenico Scarlatti for 10 voices, 10 soloists. And I just never thought it would become anything that it became now. And um, so we are a group first based around singers, uh, 10, 12 singers, uh, can be more, can be less. And a couple of musicians were there at the beginning, just playing a continuo, and then we added some little instruments, violins, etc. And now we can have up to an orchestra, be sometimes 40 on stage. We just beat our new record with the Grand Motet of Rameau just two weeks ago with uh, 46 on stage. Why do I talk about the amount of people we are? It's because we had one thing in particular was performing without a conductor. So it's not downgrading my role, but partly. Um, so I'm not a conductor, I'm just an artistic director. Uh, for me, it has a big difference, is I'm not in front, I'm part of the group. So I had to find slowly people that were interested about this way of working. Um, you are more responsible, you need to rehearse more, because you can count on somebody to tell you everything. Of course, I have a say, and I'm the one who leads the rehearsal, so I, I, I need to keep the clock. But um, everybody's responsible, doesn't have somebody in front of them showing them if they are singing too loud, if they are singing too soft, if the line is not well, if it's not in tune. Of course, sometimes I say, but I cannot do as much as a conductor would be doing from outside. But in a way, I can do more because I'm part of it. So I feel it completely from inside. So it's, it's a complete different work and was just a way we wanted to perform as students. And we had one project a year, two projects a year, and then it started to take off with the Schutz recording, Schutz Exequian recording. And then from the moment we won the, the gramophone recording of the year, just our life changed. And uh, we are just doing that basically only and living from it. So from a group that was planned to meet once a year, just for fun, once <laughs> like a week per year, it became just the job for life. and. Uh, we can't complain. We're just very lucky and uh, we hope it will continue, but it doesn't show any signs of going down. So it's us who have now to find a balance and uh, to just realize this is our life for the next years. This is a question I, I, uh, I hear uh, very often. How do you pick your singers? How do you choose them? How, what makes you realize this one? Is the right one or not? Well, there were two ways. Uh, the beginning, I had in my imagination one sound. That's why I called the group uh, Vox Luminis. So it was voice of light. So I had in my mind a bright sound, a light sound, and with uh, overtones that will help that. Now, it's very hard when you have an idea in your head, how do you translate it in words? Uh, I would not be able to translate it in English, but even not in French. It's just something, an image you have in your head. And you kind of get obsessed about it because you want to reach it. 
but people are not machines. It's not like a computer that you can type, this is what I want. You know, you're not in a laboratory. So you need to find uh, people that get close to the sound you have in mind. And even your taste changes through the years. Within uh, two, three years, let's say four maximum, I had a pool of 10 of 12 singers that were really um, the one I wanted to work. And I was very happy with the sound by the time of the shoots recording, actually, that was really what I wanted. Then you have some people that want to do something else, that want to stop, etc. And then you have, since the amount of concerts goes up and up, um, you need to do new repertoire also. So what I did always was having things in the back of my head that I want to do, but I knew I didn't have some of the singers I need. So I'm just waiting. Uh, I would just take one one example for the, the B minor mass. I didn't have the alto uh, I wanted. Oh, and now I have it. It's Alex Trance, somebody from, from England. And then the fact that he has joined us now makes me able to do more English music as well. Some things I also didn't decide. So it's two things. It's what I had in my mind and also meeting somebody that I hear and I'm like, okay, this person could fit perfectly now with the actual group we have and could open new doors. So for me, it needs to be rich voices. And there is a click in my head. I'm like, yes or no. And it's not about being the best singer. So I, I, I've done the first audition in a group. I had never done so far because I thought I was missing some people because when the group grow now, I stopped singing anywhere else. So you, you you get a limited picture of, of what's happening. You go to concerts, but concerts, they are influenced by the conductor or by the leader they have. So you, it's not like an audition when you work with them for 20 minutes or 30 minutes to know them. Anyway, I, I made the audition and then some of the best ones I didn't take because I was like, yes, very nice, but I just cannot imagine him, her in our song. And then some that are a bit less maybe less called good, but they have a beautiful voice. So they have exactly the one color I need. They come to the first rehearsal, they sing with their voice. I say, please don't try to blend or do whatever. I say, sing with the voice I heard. And then usually all the ones that was very positive and the one that are still singing with us, I usually see a smile within 10 or 15 minutes because they just come and say, I can sing with my voice. So that's me one of the things. I pick people that can only sing with their voice with us. And then there is something in my head that I can't explain. It's yes or it's no. And it's very subjective. Uh, I can even understand even sometimes when people tell me, ah, this singer I don't like, or this, vo this, uh, this voice I don't like. I haven't found many people that say I don't like the general sound of the group. But of course, sometimes you have people that say, oh, this voice in particular, um, yeah. But actually when he sings in the group, it's so nice. I say, yeah, you've just reached the point. We first think as a group. Then now we do more and more things with solo. It's my job to pick the best one in the group that can do this specific solo. And it's my job also to not take a piece with solos where I have nobody in the group able to do. And uh, when there is a piece I want to do, and here there is one during the residencies, La Descente d'Orphée, the, the opera of uh, Marc-Antoine Charpentier, which is for me one of the best pieces written in my home country. I, don't, I just don't have an autre contre, a high tenor uh, in the group. So then you think, okay, shall I just not do this piece ever? Or if you happen to have a friend who is maybe the best Orphée at the moment, who agrees to do it with you, then you do it. So it, so it has always exceptions. It, it's about 
coup de cœur of music and coup de cœur for some voices and then, and then it makes this special recipe the sound of, of oxomenis has changed matured depends how you see it matured is always much better than saying that getting older <laughs> uh, what happened is very simple we started we were uh, between 20 and 30 so we were young uh, young yes for singers it's considered as young um, and in the middle of our studies um, what happens is um, the voice gets ready at a different period so for the basses like me I'm a bass baritone my voice is basically now at the peak at the best moment around 35 36 37 you get really you know it's like a good bourgogne wine it just gets better and better tenors get ready around 30 already but contratenors get ready at 25 uh, sopranos they say around 28 i mean it's of course it changes through but just to give you an idea is that it, there is a spectrum of 10 years basically difference between some of the voices none of us was at this maturity when we started so we knew the sound uh, would change get richer i think the, the the light was there sometimes getting richer getting older makes it like too round etc you know um, going too much for let's say big voice bigger voices we try to not do that This has changed the fact that we got older, mature, etc. Uh, we have to watch out now to keep a level about decline. Then, of course, our taste has changed, and my taste has changed. Uh, I think at the beginning, I, I might have been obsessed a bit more by no vibrato, for example. Anybody that works with me actually would, would, would say I basically never pronounce the word on rehearsals. So it's not an obsession, it's just... Tuning is an obsession. So tuning is my obsession. I just realized that, of course, if you sing with less vibrato, tuning is clearer. So it all comes together. What we realized is at the beginning, we were maybe trying to be a bit too perfect. You know, you're students and you try to do everything. And uh, perfection was an ideal we were trying to reach. Um, and I think it's also influenced by recordings, by CDs. Uh, if you think now... All the music we perform, so early music, was just written to be performed maybe once or more, hopefully, at a service or at a banquet or, you know, it's to with some friends coming, if it was for a king or for a prince. They were not wondering, oh my God, if I sang, if I cracked a note, they would be able to hear it on podcast on BBC for the next month or the next year. You know, you know what I mean? And it, it, it's, it's something we talked about. It's, of course, um, you are scared. You become scared of doing something that people could make fun of. But actually, the worst is to do nothing, to just try, because if you try to be perfect, you realize you get boring. I mean, that's what how I see perfection now. And so it's about finding a balance because of course, if you become too far away from uh, an ideal, <laughs> then people will say, what is this? So, so it's, it's, it's really finding a balance. And I think getting older helps because once you have your reputation also, you, you don't try to prove, you try, of course you have to maintain yourself, but you, you don't come to say, my God, let's, let's prove to this audience we, we deserve to be here, no. Now, hopefully, we are there because we deserve it. So you just need to perform and to to just try to, to touch the people, to be as close to, as you can to the text for our singers, but also for the players. And takes risk because the, um, 
I mean, more than a third of our concerts are recorded nowadays. Sometimes half our concerts are with microphones, with radio. But even what you do is to perform to these people that are coming from that evening or that lunch concert. And what they will bring home is memory. And what you notice if you go on a concert is not perfection that you bring back as a memory. It's if you were touched, if you had tears, or if you laughed because there were some good jokes when you were King Arthur, when you do the drinking song, etc. People say, oh my God, we were laughing and crying like we had everything. It's music needs to touch people, needs to, to speak to people directly. And, uh, and singing, we have the chance to have a text on top of the rest. So I would say if you ask... Uh, if the the sound has changed because with YouTube, but the sound has changed also because I think on concert specifically we we take more risk. Uh, we have even trouble, though our CDs have a lot of success. I mean, we can't complain about that. We sometimes have trouble even to do that on on recording, because you have somebody listening and like say this one was that good, this not do it, do it again. But now we have to force ourselves to talk during the recording to say no, let's go for it. And uh, I tend to leave even imperfect things on a CD because it's touching and and if one note is less good but it's touching people will just realize it's touching they will just forget about the, this bad note so I think that's the main change actually at least I'm trying to have it's to take risk think only about emotion not don't think about what's coming after think on the moment le moment présent as we call, we call it in French and I try that's maybe one of the last changes. I try to not be obsessed anymore by the sound I had in my mind. I try to give as much freedom as I can to, uh, under a certain limit. It's difficult because if you give them a lot of freedom, they are very happy. <laughs> they take it. No problem. Singers are happy to take it. You're still responsible if the audience comes to you or the the promoters i mean of course they you know they are buying a concert and they, they want vox luminis and they want a certain quality so it's um you're at risk all the time but this is what makes your our life uh very very special very unique it's it's i think it's it's a big luck it has stress i just have the chance personally to have no stress on on stage um some of my singers have a lot uh, so they are jealous what stresses me, it's before. It's all the organization. So we all have a, a part of stress in this life. For me, once we're on stage and we sing a concert, and let's talk about, for me, one of my favorite stage in the world, which is the Wigmore Hall. Um, I still remember the first time I entered in this room, the first note I sang. and I, I remember which piece, I remember everything. It was... Um, Ich weiß, uh, unser Leben wird 70 Jahre. Uh, our life lasts for 70 years, 80 years, which is usually the encore. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's a slow piece um, because I wanted to install the sound. And I can tell you a little funny story because we got a call from John Gilhooley uh, just one week, basically, after winning the Gramophone Award. And he just got and said, I just have one slot free for next year. Are you free? And it's it's really... A we were just having a concert the day after in Paris. So it was like, it was perfect, you know? You're a star, easy. He wanted a certain program which we've been booked just on the day of the Gramophone Award already. So the shoots, which we are doing now for the, for the beginning of our residency. So we had to wait five years to come back and do it. And then I say, oh, Bach family and uh, Bach motor. It's okay, okay, let's, let's go for it. And uh, 
And I was like, oh my God. Then I wrote to all my singers, like, really? We're invited by the week. Oh my goodness. Like everybody answered within the day. Sometimes now they take two weeks, three weeks to answer, which, which can drive me mad. But for week more, everybody answered like within the day. And then everybody was like, so excited. This is the first time everybody's in, in the green room half an hour before the rehearsal. Like everybody's like, where is it? Where is it? Like it, it's, it's just so funny. You come in the, the green room, the one. And then you enter, and I, and I have to say, it's maybe less impressive than you expect. Like, like the room by itself. Yeah, well, a lot of seats. The stage is small. I mean, not too big. There's this nice cupola. I don't know how you call it in English. But it's cute, but it's not like so special. It, it doesn't give you the same impression as when you enter in the Concertgebouw in Amsterdam, for example, without the name of the composer. It has really something very impressive when you look at it. And... And I even thought to one of my colleagues, well, I, hmm, that's it. That's the week more whole. I said, I, I, I thought I would just be like, wow, you know, but it's fine. And then there's a couple, we were all talking about that. Like, and then, you know, we were all talking, like, oh, we are there, we are there. Oh, it's so, so exciting. But, well, we were expecting, you know, something different. Then we, we went on stage and we, I said, okay, let's start and let's sing. And I stopped after 15 seconds. I stopped the rehearsal, I said. Everybody was like with a smile, like just up to the ears. And I said, okay, this is the Wigmore Hall. This is what people are talking about. And, and, uh, and for a musician, this is exactly what you look for. Me, at least, it's an acoustic. And uh, there are many acoustic that are, feel great for the audience, but do not feel great for the performance. I'm not going to name them. The most important is the, the, the audience anyway. So it's fine if it's good. There are even places that are not so fantastic for for audience, but but they look good. So you know you do concerts there. Uh, some churches are like this. Even some concert hall with have been promised with the best acoustic, and then you go there and it's not as great. But you know it's fine. But to have places where the equally the audience and the performance is satisfied at that level is very rare, and this is one of them. I can name another one. It's Boston Jordan Hall. So it's completely different. It's a larger one, but it's another one that we found that suddenly, like, you ask people that are listening in the audience, how does it sound? Oh my God, it's, it's so pleasant to listen. How does it feel on stage? We said, it's fantastic. And so this is the place you hope to come back often. And this is what happened when we came here. We just came for one, we had one concert planned. We went off stage and, and John Gilhuli came to me and said, can we talk? And he says, I want you back, but regularly and and like this and this and this is he's, he's very he has very clear plan in his head he's, he's he's very good at planning and you're building up he said we need to build up the audience we need to start you know soft and plan a residency but in a couple of years when people will know you etc would, would you agree <laughs> i said what are you talking about would, would i agree i said of course i am i said no i just need to go to have a drink to, you know and then i just went to our agent and i said this is what just happened. She said, really? I said, she said, okay. I said, I need to go to drink. She said, no, no. Yes, you will go to drink, but we offer. No, that was actually very funny. It's an evening I still remember. September 2013, I can tell you. End of September. So it was just basically the birthday of the one year of the gramophone. And as a Frenchman, I have to confess, I had never been to England, to any place in the UK anyway, uh, before September 2012. So when I came for the gramophone, when I did this famous speech... <laughs> My first experience as a French man in London was to give a speech in front of hundreds of 
Brits. And that was quite funny. Uh, I became famous to that because I used one or two words that I shouldn't should have been using. But it, I just had a, and a coup de coeur for, 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 for this city. Um, which is funny because I, I do not like big cities at all. So I do not like Paris. But London, I love. I, and I love it. Like this morning, I was again walking, just even a couple of minutes. I'm like, my God, I'm so happy to stay here for three days. But we found a place really here where the music we perform the most, which is early music, fits the best with the amount of people we are usually. It's just, yeah, it's what I call a honeymoon. And it just, we we could hardly be happier than coming, for example, this year for three concerts this season. It's It's really a dream. So people might wonder, how do you build a residency and um, how long does it take? Um, I have to confess with um, some other places where we do residencies, sometimes we can talk for six months before finding the, 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 the perfect one. This one was done, I think, in five minutes. <laughs> you didn't expect that, but it's true. I came with 10 programs possible. Uh, we just took the three first ones on the list. Um, what I did was writing programs with only three lines or four lines why I wanted to do it here. And why for, for the year of the residency. So, And it, it's quite logical when, when John really looked at it and he said, well, let's just start with the three first choice. And because it had a, lo a logic, etc. cetera. The, um, the first thing I wanted to start with was the Schutz Exequien. It's our first residency anywhere in London. Musicalische Exequien of Schutz is the reason why we are here. First time we were called by the Wigmore Hall was to perform the Schutz Exequien, but we were already booked to do it uh, at St. John Smith Square for the, London, for the what is called now the London Rock Festival, which was Lufthansa at that time. Um, and therefore we we decided we cannot do it twice in the same year or like, like nobody wants shoots usually, and now suddenly people were fighting to have shoots, which was kind of funny. So it it when I came back for the first meeting to decide the program, I just said, shoots, we have to do it. This is perfect acoustic to do it. And then he said, of course. And uh, the third one was for me logical was the Bach motets. I thought for first residency, we had to be a lot on German Baroque because this is really the core of our of our repertoire and uh, and the Bach motets we have not done for 10 years so we, ju we are just taking them back since last year uh, because I thought we were not all ready vocally but also in our heads and we don't have yet all the understanding we need to study more we need to study more the music before all what Bach knew before understanding and then I took it back last year so after 10 years of break which might sound crazy but um, and then people went to the concert and said, wow, but it sounds like you've understood the beat. Well, yeah, it took us 10 years, but yes. But because we'd studied all the music, all the motets of the Bach family, etc. Why I say that, the Bach family was actually the first thing we performed here. So you see, for me, the, this residency needed to have a story. So then I felt, okay, Bach motets, this is what we have to do. It's perfect. Eight to ten singers, just continue on this stage, really perfect. Then we had one more. And uh, we've been doing quite some concerts already since we're coming here. Um, English music we've done, German. I think we've done some Italian, if I'm not mistaken, maybe not. I need to check. 
Then I was like, we've never done French music. And after all, I'm French. <laughs> I, 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 um, I have to tell, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of French Baroque in general. It's not that I'm crazy about every uh, French Baroque. Uh, I have a couple of composers I like. I like Rameau because I'm a Bourguignon. And he's also, he was born in Dijon. Uh, and so there is a little pride. So I just did the, the Grand Motet and um, I, I want to do them again. And I love his operas, though I will never do them. And the one maybe that I like the most is Charpentier, clearly. Um, is it because he has some Italian influence, uh, especially when to study with Carissimi? I don't know. It's, it's just um, a composer that touches me that, I find I kind of understand. And uh, what I found interesting, we wanted to perform the music that was for the Maison de Guise uh, in in Paris. That was a, a rich family. And uh, he wrote sacred music for a limited amount of singers and opera, La Descente d'Orphée, which is for me one of the most beautiful French uh, opera ever written. We did it on stage actually five years ago. and. I've never heard yet the mix of the sacred music and the opera, which we know was written for the same people. We have the name of the singers. They were just the same. They had to sing both. There was a bit more instruments for the opera, but the one that I used to the opera are enough to do the, the sacred music. And um, I just thought about this program while studying Benjamin Britten music called Sacred and Profane, his piece. Uh, with studying that for Oldbra. Like, Sacred and Profane. That's a cool name. I don't even know if we call it this way now for the for when we come, but I was like, what about doing Charpentier Sacred and Profane? And the music that was written for the same people. And 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 for me it was like Wigmahall is the dream place. It was performed not in a huge church or anything. It was nine singers, a couple of instrumentalists. This is perfect for this stage. And I was like, what about for my residency to bring something from my home, <laughs> from my home, which I've quit now for more than half my life. I just half now. Um, and uh, as I mentioned a bit earlier, I found uh, Reinhard von Mechelen. So I thought it was nice actually to share the residency, at least one of the concerts with another group. Uh, that name is Anocte Temporis. Um, I didn't pick them because their name is in Latin, like us, so that it fits. Vox Luminis Anocte Temporis. It does sound not too bad, but um, I like them, first of all. I like a lot what he does, but I like Reinhardt uh, a lot. And he's somebody who has not managed yet to sing a concert without touching me. I was, with tears in my eyes, every performance and already at the rehearsals. He's somebody who gives everything. He's the most for me, the haute contre of the moment uh, is almost our age, he's slightly younger, uh, but he's just pure music. And when you have the chance to have this person uh, who wants to do it with you, to share it with your ensemble, then you offer it. And, and we all agreed immediately. And now it's even becoming a CD recording. So the, just uh, a month before coming here, we are we are going to record it, so we are going to be really prepared. <laughs> no, it's it's so that's it, and that was the three projects I had uh, first, and then I'm not going to tell you what are next, but uh, some came in between now. 
for one of the following year, but we are, we are doing them. It's just um, there is a relation of trust between the, the concert hall, the management, and, and us. And, and when you have trust, everybody gives his best, and, and meetings are fantastic, concerts are going well. We are building an audience. It's, it's something I didn't know. It's like at the Wigmore Hall, you need to build your audience. Uh, the luck we had is that somebody told us. Because in France or in Belgium, you can be like suddenly coming in a new place and it's sold out. Uh, or not. <laughs> I mean, both happens. But at the, at the Wigmore Hall, we didn't know and we had a good crowd. But, you know, it was not like, you know, explosion. Like, like you know, no, the, the, the clap, yes. But, I mean, like, it's not the people who are fighting to get the tickets, you know. It was like, oh, yeah, they got the, they got the ground phone. But, you know, they are just a young ensemble and... and Immediately, John Gilroy saw, like, you have a future in England. This is really, uh, this is something special. This is something unique. I see you like this, and I want to develop you this way. The chance we had was many of us studied with Michael Chance. And uh, his son now is singing with us. He's doing two, two of the concerts of the residency. But at that time, we, basically all my concertainers have been students of him because I love the way he... Um, he taught in conservatory in The Hague or here in London at the Royal Academy. And well, his son obviously is the closest you can get to him also because he also gave him lessons anyway. But the, he told us, just be patient. You are, people will love you, people will love you at the Wigmore Hall, but it takes at least five or six years to build really your audience. You, have, you will have a bit more people each time coming and... Because once they like you, they just come back. They just wait to see your name. And and this is what's happening. Now we know, you know, people are coming, do you? And people are proud sometimes to see us outside and say, I've been here since the first you gave. It, it, it's, which is funny because you have this type of audience of, of relation with an audience. You have that with French festivals a lot during the summer. When people are like, I was there at your debut. Like, you know, first time you came, I remember I still have the program book at home. Like people are not that much, but here, it's really funny. You, you, What I didn't know also is that the audience is different depending which part of London you're going to. Like if you go to Cadogan Hall, if you go to St. John Smith, of course, a couple of hardcore fans would just follow us anywhere in London. Otherwise, you really have an audience because uh, people would say uh, Wigmore Hall is the place where I want to listen to people because that's my favorite acoustic, etc. So it's... Yeah, we get to know London now, and uh, we we are building quite a relationship now with the audience here. If you want to, if you hesitate to come to our concerts because either you think November it's cold, <laughs> either you think I have the CD of the Musicale Um and well, I've listened to it fifty times, so it's enough. <laughs> um, come, <laughs> why? Because we keep on working and rehearsing the piece. And that's something, do not expect to just hear exactly the same as on the CD. That's the first thing I would say. Second is the first time I'm allowed to complete the program exactly how I wished. A lot of places we, we are asked to put um, Bach family or even Bach motets. So just a name that brings the audience. Uh, here, I was not asked for that. They just said, yes, Musicale Chez of Schutz is the main point of the program. 
so it's about 40 minutes so you are free to bring about an hour extra of music and I could finally bring some pieces even from the CD I have to confess the other half of the CD almost all of them we've never sung on stage because nobody wanted to hear it I can finally bring my two other favorite uh, pieces of the of the CD on stage here then I was allowed to bring one or two pieces from one of my uh, current I wouldn't say favorite composer because I hate to say favorite but one that passionates me the most at the moment is Thomas Zeller so people are like Thomas Zeller my god who is that <laughs> well you can find two pieces um, on our double disc that just got BBC recording of the year uh, and also the gramophone etc uh, there was a triple choir which we're not going to bring here but it's a pupil of Johann Hermann Schein so it's in all this line of Schutzschein Schein, and there was this generation we called the 3S, and actually there are four. There is just one that is slightly younger, but I studied with them, and he's very touching, he's fantastic. And then I was like, okay, I want to bring some Thomas Zeller. Yes, sure. So I could, and then I can bring another piece of, my favorite piece of Samuel Scheidt, uh, which is a seven-part, Ist nicht uh, I always find that seven-part music is always very special. Um, of course, the number seven is in the Bible all over, etc. So you can see that. So I just built my favorite program I could do around the Musicalische Exequien, and it's the first time ever. So we've been performing Schutz Exequien all around the world, in Asia, in, in America, all over Europe, but we've never performed the Musicalische Exequien with my dream program around it. And this is the first time. So I think it's worth it. So please come.